What's up guys, Combat Addict here. Welcome to another edition of the Combat Review. Today we're gonna to be talking about all kinds of stuff, all types of things. Um, for those of you who asked me questions in the comments that you wanted answered, uh, just know that this podcast is not for that. Uh, I answer questions in the regular My Mouth Does the Talking podcast and that comes out on Saturday. So if you're looking for that, you're going to get answers to those questions on Saturday. Uh, with that being said, this is the Combat Review. Uh, it is the MMA show. It's when we go into topics about the MMA world and we just talk about them. Uh, so first off, right off the bat, uh, I do just want to say that Abdulmanap Namahamedov passed away on July 3rd in Moscow, Russia. And I believe he had corona um and so it's really sad to to see him go he was the father of habib the eagle Nurmagomedov. for those of you who don't know who that is he is the guy who made conor mcgregor tap out a couple years ago he's the russian very humble very talented uh very good good guy funny guy um just couldn't be a, a more humble champion. I, I literally can't think of anybody who is more humble than 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 that man. And um, his father meant a lot to him. Uh, his father was somebody who guided him and helped him train and got him into combat sports. And so he was a huge, huge figure in his life. Um, and I imagine that this is especially devastating for someone like Habib as... I mean, it just seems to me like those people over there in Dagestan who are around Habib, even if they're not directly related to him, it really does seem like they're all a family anyways. So for his actual father to go, you can only imagine just how much more painful that is. Just, you know, seeing how they're already so close, irrespective of blood. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, it's got to be a, a heartbreaking thing, especially because he was actually holding on for so long, it, it it's really been a roller coaster ride. Abdul Manap is, I, I don't even think I'm saying his name right. I feel bad. Abdul Manap, yeah, has been sick for a while now. And um, it's sad to see him go. Uh, but but uh, that's the way life is sometimes, unfortunately. That's the way life is. And Habib, I don't know if you'll ever see this, but my condolences to you and yours. Um, your father was a great man, and he raised a great man. Um, segue from that, uh, let's talk about other things in the MMA world. Um, we all know that UFC 251 is happening this Saturday. I'm so fucking excited. I mean, it's, it's almost like, at this point, I feel like I've become so used to to um ufc events that are really sort of awe-inspiring that there's only so much you know i, I want to call it noob excitement that you can actually get there's only so much excitement that you can get in the uh in the sense where like you just can't even sleep you're so fucking pumped up for it because you've already seen so many good fights at this point you're almost just kind of like a wine taster enjoying the ride you know what i mean rather than the kid who just turned 19 and who's just trying to get as much alcohol into their body as they possibly can that's kind of how i feel now like i've become a connoisseur of sorts uh because i mean let's be real ufc 245 was an insane card and uh that was one of those cards where you were just so goddamn excited i mean we had we had a lot of the same people fighting on that card we had Max Holloway versus Volkanovski, Amanda Nunes versus Duran Morant, Duran, uh, Duran, I mean, Marlon Morales versus Jose Aldo, Peter Yan versus Uriah Faber. And interestingly enough, well, we had Kamaru Usman and, and Colby Covington, obviously, but interestingly enough, uh, Piotr, Jose, uh, Alexander Volkanovski, Max Holloway, and Kamaru Usman all fought on that card. So I guess these are the people who really draw buys. Uh, they're a good combination, I would say, because I'm I'm pretty fucking excited for all of this. But um, I'm not I'm not like super jittery 
I'm not super jittery. I'm I'm just sort of taking my time, enjoying my week. And when Saturday comes, I'm going to have a fucking blast. It is going to be great. And if you are not a fan of the UFC yet and you want to get into the UFC, if you want to understand why people are so fucking obsessed with this sport and you have never bought a pay-per-view before or you've never watched a pay-per-view before and you want to and you want to experience one, I mean, there are a bunch that you could experience, but this one that's coming up is a fucking treat. So I would suggest that you save up your nickels, your dimes, and your pennies, and you fucking buy this pay-per-view, or you find somebody out there who is going to buy this pay-per-view, and you watch it with them, because this thing is going to be a cracker of a card, as the great Alexander Volkanovsky would say. Uh, but before we get into predictions, or maybe we should just do that right away, we'll talk about general concepts at the... Uh, at the end of this podcast, as we've already started talking about UFC 251. Uh, if you haven't already seen my shorter videos, uh, I posted two shorter videos earlier this week. One's 10 minutes, the other one's about 15 minutes. Uh, prediction for uh, two of the fights. I'm going to do another prediction probably on Friday night. I'll release that one. Um, try to keep that one short as well. Uh, the first one that I put out was uh, between Paige Van Zant and Amanda Hibas. Uh, while not everybody knows that this fight is, you know, uh, I mean, we've got a we've got a good fight on our hands. There are some people who maybe kind of think, oh, it's like the first fight on the card. It's not that big of a deal. Amanda Hebas is probably championship material. You definitely want to watch that fight. Um, so I did a prediction for that fight there, and uh, I also did a prediction for the main event, Kamara Usman versus Jorge Masvidal, which. Brings us to a point that all of you, I'm sure, have figured out already or heard about already is what I meant to say. Um, Gilbert Burns got COVID. I mean, fuck. That's... Can we just... We just need to talk about this really quickly. Before we get into, like, quick predictions and everything like that, Gilbert Burns has been on a tear. I mean, he knocked out Damian Maya. He has decision victories over people like Gunnar, Gunnar Nelson and Tyron Woodley. Um, he was he was really having a meteoric rise to the top of the division. And it's fucking crazy to me that like a week, two weeks before he's supposed to fight for the title, he gets COVID-19. When they canceled the fight... First off, let's just talk about Gilbert. I felt so bad for him because I just I just kept thinking like, holy shit. I mean, how must that feel? Like to have that taken away from you just like just like that in, in, in an instant. You have literally run through all of these killers in the division. You're finally at the doorstep of a title and you get fucking COVID. That's gotta suck. That's got to suck, man. I mean, he will be fine in the sense that let's all be straight. Once, you know, he's finished with his COVID or whatever, he gets the next title shot. You know, I don't care who in the fucking division does whatever. Gilbert Burns gets the next title shot um, after after whoever wins this right here. Uh, but the fact that this was going to be on Fight Island, it's the first inaugural fight on Fight Island. I mean, this is a once in a lifetime experience and it was robbed from him. Just like that. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe the next card will also be on Fight Island. I would imagine it would be. I mean, you didn't spend all this money on an island not to fucking use it. So, you know, I bet you that it's going to be there as well. But point is, this just sucks for him. Anyways, I had a feeling that Jorge Masvidal was going to step in for the fight. I Like, when I heard that Gilbert Burns tested positive for COVID, I, was, I wasn't even worried. I was like, well, either way, we're going to get a fucking sweet fight because Jorge's going to step in. And he did. What's particularly interesting, though, is that it's almost like Jorge knew that this was going to go down. And Dustin Poirier was talking. Uh, he was in, being interviewed by somebody. I'm going to try to find the tweet. And um, I'm, I'm going to see if I can. I wonder if I can link to it in the description somehow. But there's a he's, he's talking to somebody in, in an interview. 
And he basically just goes over how Jorge Masvidal, who trains at ATT, I believe it's American Top Team, both him and uh, Dustin Poirier train there. So they know each other pretty well. Jorge was sparring partners with him all up towards Dustin Poirier's Dan Hooker fight, in which Dustin Poirier put on a phenomenal performance. Um, they sparred, he said, something like five times at least, and that he was there helping everybody out, you know, getting working with everybody at ATT, that he called wrestlers. He called wrestlers into the gym just to roll with them. Now, that sounds like a person who knows they're about to fight a wrestler. Now, I don't know if Jorge Masvidal was just being cautious because I think that's what was happening. I don't think that there's any, you know, weird conspiracy where Gilbert Burns was made to pull out at the last second so that Jorge Masvidal could step in and, you know, make this dramatic entry. I don't think that's what happened, you know. It seems kind of creepy that he would be training for a wrestler all of this time and then all of a sudden get the perfect opportunity to not only negotiate for more money but fight a wrestler. But in any case, that's not what happened, I don't think. What I think happened was that Jorge Masvidal, he's made a decent amount of money and he can sit on the money that he has. Basically, he's not going to fight Usman until they give him the amount of money that he wants. So he probably didn't know for sure that the fight was going to fall through. But he thought, well, just in case, I might as well train because I'm going to have to fight this guy at some point anyways. And on the off chance that something happens and Gilbert Burns can't fight, I'll be ready. I can see him thinking to do that because that is some shit that I think, I mean, I'm going to sound like I'm sucking my own dick here, but that is some shit that I would do. If, if I was two weeks out from a fight that I could step in for, I mean, it's kind of similar to like when just, when, uh, when Justin Gaethje Steps in to fight Tony Ferguson. Actually, no, he wasn't prepared. Never mind. That's not the same thing at all. Scratch that. Point is, you might as well, you know, you might as well stay hungry. Don't get complacent and fat and lazy. And in the event that somebody, they do need somebody to step in, do you really want to be out of shape? No. So he did the smart thing and it just worked out for him. Like it just panned out. It just panned out. We wouldn't be talking about this. Dustin Poirier probably wouldn't have, or wouldn't even have said anything if Gilbert Burns didn't pop. It would have just been a smart thing that Jorge Masvidal did that amounted to nothing. But every once in a while, fortune is, is when, what is it? Um, preparation uh, meets opportunity. Every once in a while that happens and somebody gets uh, not lucky. Because Jorge Masvidal was working hard. He was not lucky. Gets fortunate enough fortunate enough to get into or go into a title fight. Completely prepared. And making more money than they originally sought to make. Apparently this is what they said happened. Because Jorge Masvidal, I heard him speaking with Ariel Hawani, said that they broke the UFC, basically. That the UFC called him. Which makes sense. Because who are you going to give that fight to? You're not going to give it to Colby again. Nobody wants to see fucking... I don't want to see that. I don't want to see Colby fight Usman again right now. And Tyron, there's no fucking way. Leon? That doesn't really excite me. I think Leon... I don't, I don't know. You're trying to make a cracker of a card. You want a headliner. You know you need Masvidal. You fucking know it. You can't give the fight to anybody else. So the UFC calls Jorge. And apparently, apparently, they, they call him and I think it's... Uh, so, they were at a barbecue, Jorge and his team, when they worked the details of this out. Like, my, that is how crazy this shit is. That is how last minute this shit is with regard to Jorge knowing he's going to fight. They went back and forth on the phone for a couple of hours. And Jorge definitely got what he wanted. 
I think one of his coaches said something like, he's making a lot of money. And, and Ariel asked, well, how much money? And he goes, well, I'll put it to you this way. We can, we can fly Jorge out on a $400,000 plane, private jet, and I'm not losing any money on it. I mean, fuck. Well played, Jorge. Well played. That's all I got to say. Well played. Anyways, enough about Jorge. Uh, let's just do some really quick predictions here. So if you want to see my prediction for the main event or the first fight on the card, those videos are up and I can link to them in the description. Um, I mean, I, I won't spoil it for you. I was going to say I'm not going to leave you in suspense like an asshole, but honestly, if you really want to see like what I think, just fucking go to the video and like skip to the end or something like that. But I'm not going to spoil it for the people who actually want to watch the whole video because I go into detail like why I think what I think, and I basically outline you know what I think about the fighters, each of them, and then I come to a conclusion. If you think that would be cool, if you think that would be interesting, go take a look. Fucking take a gander, man. Uh, but in terms of... Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway. So I'm, I'm not doing a video on this one. The reason I'm not doing a video on this one is because I actually feel almost like... I, I don't really know. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make an accurate prediction based on legitimate reasoning. In the sense that the first time that this fight went down, I said Max Holloway was going to win. And the reason I said Max Holloway, Holloway was going to win is because, A, if we're going to talk about just who these people have beat in commonality, right? Most notable name would have been Jose Aldo, okay? Alexander Volkanovsky beats Jose Aldo in a decision, three rounds. Max Holloway stops and finishes Jose Aldo two times in a championship fight. Just based on that alone, you would give the edge to Max Holloway. It's like, so let me get this right. You faced Jose Aldo twice, the, one of the greatest featherweights of all time, and you finished him, and Alexander Volkanovsky went to a decision. Just based on that alone, you would give it to Max Holloway. But then there was the addition of, what does Volkanovsky have that's really going to be some sort of X factor to Max Holloway? We all know that Max Holloway has a decent ground game. He's got relatively good jiu-jitsu. We all know that Max Holloway is arguably a better striker than Alexander Volkanovsky. I mean, are we all going to really debate that? So what is it that Alexander Volkanovsky is really going to be able to do that's going to stop Max Holloway? Little did I know that Alexander Volkanovsky decided to take the Jose Aldo route and leg kick the fuck out of Max. Just, I mean, leg kick the fuck out of him to the point where he couldn't even put his conventional leg forward his left leg he had to put his his left leg back and stand in a southpaw stance with with his with his with his um with his right hand forward and that completely threw max holloway off because as joe rogan was saying throughout the entire fight max holloway is a fighter who similar to tony ferguson will kind of switch his hips back and forth and he's best, uh, he, he, he's best at fighting from orthodox to southpaw to orthodox to southpaw. If you just eliminate one of those, which would be the orthodox, and he only has southpaw, which he's less comfortable with, he becomes much less unpredictable and, and easier to handle. Brilliant fucking strategy by Alexander Volkanovsky, by the way, because he is a shorter fighter than Max Holloway, which was another edge that I gave to Max. Him actually closing the distance and hitting Max is going to be so much harder. So he made himself longer with his legs, um, which is a was a great comment made by Dominic Cruz. And using that to cut down Max and also find openings and get his way in, he could actually land shots. Now, he didn't land many, but he landed more than Max on my first viewing of the fight. I thought he won all five rounds. Not only that, but Max is a pressure fighter. He walks forward. So Volkanovski, really, all he had to do, throw a leg kick, and when Max comes in to counter, step back and counter the counter. And he did that multiple times throughout their first fight, and he just fucking outpointed him. He just outpointed him. 
and it's I mean what the fuck that this is how I felt after I watched the fight the first time I was like I can't, I can't even fucking believe that this just happened Max Holloway who we were all like is the greatest featherweight of all time was just fucking outpointed like of all of the ways to I I don't know man it was just kind of shocking it was just kind of shocking that that was how it ended up going down for that reason I just want to say I believe that Alexander Volkanovsky is going to win this fight again now that's not necessarily because I don't think that Max Holloway learned his lesson I'm sure that he's worked on checking leg kicks. But this is a point that I want to make about Australian fighters. Not even Australian fighters, just the New Zealand city kickboxing as a team and Eugene Behrman generally. But especially with Alexander Volkanovsky. There is an energy there that is so... I want to say intimidating, but I don't even know if that's the right word. It's fucking, there is, man, I'm telling you, man, there is a power down under. I don't know what the fuck it is, but I felt it. And this is interesting to me at the very least. Before Alexander Volkanovsky fought Max Holloway the first time, I felt it and I had the feeling like Alexander Volkanovsky was going to win. Like he just had the power to do it. But I ignored that gut feeling and I was wrong. I tried to stick to the facts and the facts did not dictate what happened in the fight. But I felt it before they even fought. And I feel it again. I, I, I'm not going to ignore it this time. There's something about Alexander Volkanovsky and his team. And the way that they carry themselves and conduct th their, 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 their fighting. It's all business. It's like, it's like, a, it's like, it's like a more... I don't I almost want to say it's almost patriot like but um I don't it's not the same the patriots are kind of different that's a football team for those of you who don't know but my point is I feel like they just look at the game very fucking differently like I just feel as if even if Max Holloway can figure out how to combat the leg kick they've planned 2 3 Four steps ahead of that. I just feel it. There's just an energy there at that team. And it's so real. It's so real, man. I mean, they're 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 really fucking killers over there. And but just in a controlled, in a controlled business-like sense. Like this is just how we do it. We just do things. We go in there, we execute. And in the embedded video, Eugene Behrman said it, we're just gonna outpoint him. So they're planning to do the same thing. They're planning to do the exact same thing. Um, and I don't know, man. All I can say is that I think that Volkanovsky is going to win. Because there's no way, honestly, man. There's no way that the people who masterminded the victory the first time are dumb enough not to realize that Max Holloway could all of a sudden check all of the kicks. Like, they've got to have thought of what happens if he does that. Especially because this is also a camp... That makes a point out of worst case scenarios. They will literally throw their fighters in training into the worst case scenario and just see how they handle it. So I don't doubt, man, that uh, they've they've um, they've thought of everything. They must have. I don't know if Max Holloway has somebody like that in his corner. I don't think Max Holloway has a Eugene Behrman. I think that he's out masterminded here. And he's a great fighter, but if he doesn't have somebody who's going to guide him like that, then I don't think he's going to be able to, to take him, take Val, take Volkanovsky out. You know what I'm saying? Um, Not to mention, Volkanovsky has incredible sparring partners. I don't know who Max Holloway is sparring with, but Volkanovsky has access to Dan Hooker, Israel Adesanya, like Kai Kara France. There, he's got like top tier competition to train with and they're like <laughs> almost all of them are taller than him as well and they're strikers so he's got so he can simulate what max holloway is gonna do 
Maybe I should have made a video on this. I don't know, man. My point is just this, that I believe Alexander Volkanovsky is going to win. This is my belief. Uh, I'm going to be doing a video about Piotr Jan and Jose Aldo tomorrow. Um, the reason that I decided to do a video about these two is because I'm actually sort of... I don't know. I just had the feeling like I wanted to. I just, I, I, like, I, it, there's almost like an uncertainty there in that Piotr Jan, while he is incredibly good and literally took Uriah Faber off the face of the earth in a fight, um, I don't, uh, I, 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 I wanted to see... It's like that was his most impressive performance to me. And while he's got great hands, um, it is entirely possible that Jose Aldo could win the fight. And I think that there's an there's an X factor that if Piotr Jan doesn't fix, he he may lose. Uh, so we'll we'll see about that one. I'll make a video about that. Rose Nama Yunus and Jessica Andraj. Uh, this is pretty simple. I mean, okay, let's be straight. Rose Nama Yunus, Thug Rose best fucking honestly one of the best fucking uh fight monikers ever ever um thug rose was kicking the fuck out of jessica andrage before she was dropped on her head that's just a fact like i don't honestly like i have not seen the fight in I've, over a year but I can conclusively say, like, Rose was winning. <laughs> Rose was winning. And she just made a simple mistake. Just didn't let go of a Kimura grip. Was lifted up by Jessica Andrade on a single leg or uh, a high crotch and, and dropped on her head. <laughs> so, so you know, barring that some crazy shit like that doesn't happen again, you know, which it probably won't. Let's be real. Rose is going to win. <laughs> so... <laughs> So so yeah, that's that's my prediction for that. I don't think there's much else to say about that. Um So I just want to say like this is just like a tidbit. Like this is just like something I kind of want to add in just as a <laughs> just sympathy for the fighters. Maybe I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about cuz these guys fight in Brazil and Abu Dhabi all the fucking time. But it's just, there's just something different about doing it outside in the day that I think we need to acknowledge here that nobody's fucking talking about. So Abu Dhabi, so the, okay, so this event is taking place 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right? So Abu Dhabi is like eight hours ahead of us. So I figured out, okay, so it's like 6 a.m. when the event starts. So that means when the main event goes down, it's going to be like 8.30 or some shit a.m., right? I thought to myself, okay, <laughs> first off, that's, I mean, kind of shitty for the fighters in a, in a way, but a, a lot of them aren't complaining about that. A lot of them say that they, they don't have a problem, you know, training at that time or getting up at that time. But, um, it's not so much the timing of that. That's <laughs> concerning to me. It's like the elements, like it's fucking hot in Abu Dhabi, like really fucking hot. Like Paige Van Zandt had said that when they arrived in Abu Dhabi, it was like fucking, it was like 11 p.m. in Abu Dhabi. So it's fucking dark outside, mind you, right? She's like, <laughs> it's like a sauna. Like it's so hot. Now, that was 11 p.m. And so it's kind of different because it gets way cooler in the night to the morning as opposed to the evening to the night. So, for example, on that Saturday at like 11 p Actually, it's like almost the exact same. So on the Saturday, like around 11 p.m., it'll be like 35, 35 degrees Celsius. Uh, what is it going to be at Fahrenheit for you people? who 95 degrees Cel uh, Fahrenheit for all of you <laughs> Americans out there. Um... But then in the morning, it's really not even that different. So at 6 a.m., it's going to be like 33 degrees Celsius <laughs> or 91 degrees Fahrenheit. 
So it's still gonna be, like, super fucking hot. And I'm just... Look, man, I was a football player at one point in my life. And I know how crazy it is to have to play a game of football in the middle of the fucking day with pads and equipment on. Like, you need to drink water, like, every fucking second or else you will literally have a heat stroke. Now, I'm playing football. That is not a game that is, like, full sprint, full tilt, like, 100% of the time. And I'm also not taking, like, brain damage and, and, and bleeding and shit in the fucking in a fucking cage right and i could and i still like need to make sure that i'm like properly hydrated i'm concerned <laughs> that this fight is taking place outside in abu dhabi is no one else concerned about this it's also taking place from what i can see like right beside the fucking water it's gonna be humid as fuck i understand that it's like 6 a.m so it's like okay maybe it'll be like dark ish out maybe but by the time, like, the main event comes around, like, the sun is going to be around for sure. Is this okay? Am I fucking... I know that they used to do fights outside, but I just... I, 33 degrees... That's fucking hot. <laughs> that's fucking hot. And if the sun is actually, like, up, that's going to be so fucked, man. If the sun is actually up, that is going to be fucked. And not only that, if the sun is up in one particular direction, like, couldn't that blind one of the fighters? Like, if the sun is on, what is it, the sun, the sun rises in the east and sets in the west? So if I'm facing the east and you're facing the west, like, do you not have an advantage with just, like, the silhouette? What the fuck? This is not... <laughs> I hope it's okay, like I hope it's fine, but I just feel like this is something that we should have thought about, like, I don't know man, fuck it, maybe maybe it'll just be like football, maybe it'll just be a, like it's just a part of the sport, right? Football is like a game where if it's fucking raining and, and shit outside, as long as there's no like thunder or lightning, you just deal with it. Oh, you can't throw the ball? Well, I guess you just run the ball a lot, and the game just changes like that, so maybe it'll be like that, I don't know. I just thought about that though. I was like, what the fuck? Like, how are we, how are they going to do this when it's like fucking 35 degrees outside? That's hot. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. Whatever. Anyways. I had a thought earlier this week. Um, <laughs> I had a thought earlier this week that coaches are like, are like mad scientists. They're like mad scientists. And it's fucking badass. It's super fucking cool. Um, Trevor Whitman. Is. In my opinion. I mean I. I saw him on Joe Rogan's podcast. And I actually thought he was. I, I actually didn't like him at first. Because I thought he was. Sort of being demeaning and disrespectful to, to to Justin Gaethje and I thought he was interrupting him a lot and I didn't like that and I was like shut the fuck up man I want to hear Justin talk <laughs> but he, he kind of grew on me and I realized you know maybe he's just he's not trying to be mean or rude or whatever he just fucking is away um but he trains J Justin Gaethje Drew Dober Neil Magny, Rose Nama Yunez, and he makes Onyx fight gear, which is like the best fight gear from, I mean, from what I could see in what they displayed on Joe Rogan's podcast, it's like the best fight gear. The next fight gear that I buy, any boxing gloves, any shin pads, anything like that. If it's not Onyx, I don't want it. <laughs> It'll cost a fucking crazy amount of money. I don't give a shit. I want to experience that because he fucking sold me on it. If you don't look, man, if you're thinking of buying fight, fighting, uh, fighting, uh, equipment, go watch the podcast with Trevor Whitman. The one that came out like a month ago, go watch that. He will show you why his shit is the best. And the UFC won't 
like let him use any of it won't like his gloves which are okay so base i won't explain everything but i've already i fucking started talking about it so i have to fucking say something so basically ufc gloves for example don't have things like i don't know padding right here in the right place so if you're gonna hammer fist somebody you could like break your 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 carpal or metacarpal or whatever the fuck you have here right or, or UFC gloves are super, super stiff and rigid. So when fighters have to make a fist, they almost have to, you know, those like little, like wishbone looking things that you can squeeze to make your forearms stronger. You almost have to do that every time you want to punch and fighters have super sore fucking forearms the day afterwards, for example, right? Little problems like this, he is fixed with a glove that he created specifically for MMA. He's trying to introduce the next generation of combat technology, like technology for combative equipment, shin pads, headgear, shit like this, right? He's trying to use different material, better material. The industry is a joke from what I basically heard from him. You're interested in what I'm saying right now? You wanna hear more about what I'm saying? Go watch that fucking podcast. Better yet, visit their website. I'm sure they've got a website. I don't know. Go find his Twitter. Do whatever the fuck you got to do. Onyx. That's the, I think it's O-N-X. It looks like two N's to me at first when I saw it. But go check them out, okay? Um. Anyways, that guy. That guy. I imagine. I imagine that there's there are some coaches out there who when you listen to them, it's like they unlock, they unlock things in your body. I have had this experience where like my coach told me to do one thing differently and I became unstoppable. <laughs> it's so funny because like I, I'm just a regular motherfucker, right? So like <laughs> my coach tells me to do one thing. I've said this a million times. It's been so long since I've trained, so I haven't gotten any new advice. But he's like, be longer with your strikes. Just get longer. Just get longer. <laughs> and the next and the next week in sparring, I feel like fucking Israel Adesanya going at it. I just feel untouchable because I've got so much reach. My fucking my fucking uh, my, my, my pad work is so much crisper when I hit the pads, it's a loud smack every single time, all because he said one thing, one tiny detail. I imagine there are coaches out there who will take a fighter who's been fighting for much longer than any, you know, anybody else has, who already know things like that. And they've got like a fucking vat of that shit just waiting to be utilized by some hungry kid who wants to be, be a champion one day and they love workshopping fighters they love seeing what things work like okay i told him to do this and this and this what happened oh he became a fucking monster <laughs> that's good we'll stick with that and i'm realizing that like Eugene Behrman is another one of these guys where he's just making monsters. He's just making animals. He's just making people who are just unstoppable. You know? Israel Adesanya is an example of like the like a byproduct or not a byproduct of like a finished, not a finished product, but one of his productions. Like he worked with me and this is what I, I was able to do with him. We did this together. Alexander Volkanovsky, he worked with me. We game planned. This is what I was able to do with him. Trevor Whitman is another one of those guys where I mean Gaethje says it himself. Like he just does what he just does what Trevor tells him. <laughs> he just does what he tells him. And it works. And I can only imagine what that must be like, man. It's like you're it's like you're making Frankenstein. That's so fucking badass. I think that's so cool. I don't know. I think that that is probably one of the most badass things 
that you can just create these fucking machines. Just turn a human being into a well-oiled Terminator. Recreate Arnold Schwarzenegger on a jiu-jitsu mat. That's just fucking amazing to me. Anyways, man. Coaches are like mad scientists. That was that was the thought that I had. Last thing I'm going to talk about today is a shorter podcast, guys. I apologize. They're not all super long. I don't even know if I should talk about this. Like, why am I even talking about this? This is so dumb. (laughs) All right, look. We got to address this, okay? Do you guys know what simps are? All right, listen. <laughs> listen. Simps are these dudes, right? And they're like in love with these women that they just cannot attain. They're the just unattainable women in their lives, all right? On OnlyFans. Or just maybe like on Instagram. I don't fucking know. But they like spend all of their time. Just giving a fuck. About these women. Who don't give a shit about them. They give them money. Time. Attention. And the woman is just like. I'm paying my bills with this. (laughs) That is what simping is. Okay. That's simping. You're a fucking simp. If you do some shit like that. I have simped before. If you want to hear my simp story. I will tell you my simp story. But you need to request it in the comment section. If you want to know. The time that I simped. And it was so bad. Honestly. The way that I simped. Was so embarrassing. But if you want to know about it. I will tell you. And, And the thing about simping is. It will sneak up on you. Because I had. I had met a guy who simped, okay? His name was Tom. He simped. And I was like, why would you do something like that? You're a fucking idiot. And years later, I simped, okay? It's real. Don't simp. You can simp online and you can simp in real life. Don't simp. Anyways, that is like the concept of simping. For those of you who don't understand or didn't know, I'm sure all of you fucking knew this, right? And I'm going to say this, (laughs) and some of you are going to be upset, but you need to fucking hear this. Especially the media. You need to stop simping for Conor McGregor. You need to stop. (laughs) It's not worth it, okay? It's not fair to you or the UFC or the MMA industry. He doesn't give a fuck about you. Stop simping for him. Stop giving him publicity. He fucking retired. Okay? That's it. (laughs) I don't want to see a video on Twitter of Conor McGregor hitting a fucking heavy bag. I don't give a shit. What are you training for? Loafers? Get the fuck off the bag, Conor. I don't fucking care. I don't want to see his face anymore. I am so sick of it. I'm so sick of his fucking face. I like him too. I like Connor. We all like Connor. You know, we all love Connor. But fuck him. I'm so tired. I'm so tired of all of the attention that he gets, man. It's fucking annoying. I've talked about this before. The guy comes back. He fights one veteran and then fucks off and I know I know a lot of you are probably saying but combat let's be real here he's not retired he's just like pretending to be retired and then when he has the opportunity to jump back in for the title he'll do so Look, man, first off, if that's what he's doing, 
fucking, I don't know. It's kind of smart, but it's also sort of weak sauce. Like, it's kind of weak, man. That's kind of weak. Like, let me, okay, let's. <laughs> Here's the thing, bro. If Conor McGregor isn't careful, if that's his thinking and, like, lightweight fights keep happening, he might just get bumped down to, like, ninth rank in the lightweight division. And then when he wants to come back and fight, he's not getting a title fight. I don't give a fuck. If you just haven't been active, if you just haven't been fighting, we're not giving you a fucking title bout when you come back. It's not happening. You're going to have to fight somebody. You're going to have to. So that's why I say it's kind of weak sauce. Because if that's his plan, like, dude, man, you're such a bitch. Like, I thought you thought you were like the shit. I thought you thought you were the greatest of all time. Are you seriously fucking telling me right now that you like that's your plan to just wait it out because you don't want to what risk your position? I thought you were the fucking greatest. So if that's what he's saying, that's fucking weak sauce, right? If it's not that and he's actually fucking retired, then can we all please stop talking about him? Like, can we all just collectively agree that like unless he's doing something notable like i don't like that we don't want to see him doing bag work that's it's fucking irrelevant okay nobody is asking whether forrest griffin is fucking running hills or not nobody gives a shit he's retired okay we all like forrest griffin you know we care about him when we see him we like it right we enjoy it but we don't give a fuck about his fighting aspirations at the moment like we don't oh Forrest Griffin did pad work two days ago I don't give a fuck the only reason that we care that Mike Tyson is doing pad work now is because he might fight again that's the only reason are you telling me that Mike Tyson has not done any pad work between his retirement and now no the reason that we all give a shit is because he might fight again he said he's coming out of retirement. Not even that he might fight again, but he's coming out of retirement. You're all simping. And I know I sound naggy as fuck right now, but I, I'm so... I can't even say it anymore. I've said it a million times. But you're simping and you need to fucking stop. Okay? He doesn't give a fuck about you. He doesn't care. <laughs> And that's the thing about Conor McGregor that is so funny. Everybody loves him because he's like the person that you would want to be. But that's it's that's why it's ironic. Because Conor McGregor basically shits on all of his opponents and looks down on them. And, and basically makes that point to them. It's red panty night when you fight me. The only thing about this industry that matters is like everybody in this industry either wants to fight me or be me. Everything else is peanuts. Those are Conor McGregor's words, okay? The way that he shits on all of these other guys, man. Like that is... N <laughs> You're simping. You're not Conor, okay? You're trying to live vicariously through him. Because you think he's like the fucking shit and you and you can't even see that you are not the same as Conor McGregor because you like him. The reason that everybody loves Conor McGregor is because he just doesn't give a fuck about anybody, including you. <laughs> Which isn't entirely true because I'm sure he likes his fans. So let's be real, like he probably does like his fans. But on some level, you gotta recognize that when he fucking shits on Uriah Faber for wearing like shorts and sandals and a 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 tank top, that you're wearing that shit. Like he shit <laughs> he's shitting on people who wear shit like that. But you are one of them. Like <laughs> So it's just I don't know. Obviously don't take it personally because like, he's probably just trying to get under Uriah's skin. Like, I recognize that. I recognize that. But my point is, don't simp too hard. Okay? My point is, it's funny to think that maybe he just doesn't give a fuck about any of you. <laughs> and you're all simping to Conor McGregor. <laughs>
Oh my god, that's actually such a funny sentence. <laughs> oh my god. Connor McGregor simps. <laughs> we should call them McSimps. McSimps. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh my god, that is so funny. Or mimps? No, that's not funny. Mimps. I'm just gonna fucking quit while I'm ahead. Alright, man. Look, that's that's the fucking show for today. Alright? Um if you wanna follow me on Instagram, uh or Twitter, my handle is the combat addict. No spaces. If you wanna follow me on Twitch, which I really have not been doing much gaming this week, <coughs> or actually last week either. It is the underscore combat underscore addict. Um, if you like this video, fucking throw a like down there. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you got to do that. And um, if you got a question for me that you want me to talk about on My Mouth Does the Talking, the Saturday podcast, bitch, I'm open-minded. You know what I'm saying? I'll let you fucking lick my asshole. I don't give a fuck. Throw it in the comments and I'll fucking, I'll look at it and, and maybe... Um, do something with it, you know. I'll I'll look at the thing. I'll uh Yeah. So anyways. I will see you guys probably on Friday. It's probably when I'm going to try to get that video uploaded. And that's that's also the way we're going to do things. From now on, we're going to do a Wednesday podcast, a Saturday podcast. We're going to make clips of those podcasts so you guys don't have to watch this whole thing. And then we'll do predictions here and there. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? If you want to hear the podcast and you don't want to see my face, then you can go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Play Podcasts. And you can just listen to my voice. You can just listen to my sweet, sultry voice. On those platforms, everybody. Combat Addict out.